Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast. My name is Lisa Settle. And my name is Isla O'Hara. And we'll be your hosts for today. The Business Diaries is a storytelling platform for businessmen and women to share their stories, the ups and the downs of the entrepreneur, providing the rest of us with valuable insights, tips and motivation. The storytelling began as live events, but due to lockdown, this has been transformed into this podcast. And Isla and I are pleased to be able to keep these stories coming along. So today, our guest shares a story of how in her early life, She was used to packing a suitcase on a regular basis, which led her to unpack a lot of emotions later on in life. Isla, can you tell us who's in the guest seat today? Absolutely. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Hazel Adley to the show. But before we hand over to Hazel, let me tell you a little bit about her. Hazel is an energy alignment and mindset coach. In fact, Hazel is one of the first 16 energy alignment method mentors in the world. She helps creative business owners up-level their business through shifting the inner blocks and resistances that have been holding them back. She fuses together coaching, energy work and self-development with a dash of ancient Eastern energy philosophy thrown in to teach her clients how to get their energy into flow to unleash their true potential. She believes that everyone deserves to feel amazing within themselves, to have a fulfilling life and a successful business, which they love running. Welcome to the show, Hazel. We're delighted that you're here. Thank you. Hi. I'm so pleased. In fact, I can't wait for you to share your story. So I'm going to hand over the metaphorical airwaves to you and uh, share your story. So take it away. Thank you. So to tell my story, I'm going to go right back to the beginning. So when I was four years old, my mum left. She took my newborn baby sister and left me and my brother with our dad. Now, the thing is, is that she didn't keep in regular contact. So it could be years sometimes between when I got to see her. Our nan, my dad's mum, moved in to care for us. And then when I was about five, dad remarried and Nan had to move out. He went on to have two more children, and so I was lucky enough to get two more brothers. Now, when I was eight years old, I got sent to live with my aunt and uncle. Now, this was a massive culture change. I left behind my Nan, my dad, and my three brothers, everybody who I loved and was my core family. And They seemed a world away because I was only 20 miles away, but as a child, you can't cross that distance easily. So it meant leaving school, leaving my friends, leaving everything I knew and starting a new life. And I moved in with a family who were very stressed because they were reeling from the impact of, I think it was the 1987 recession kind of era. So when I was 11, they sent me back again. And I moved in with my nan in her bedsit. This, again, was a very difficult, challenging transition for me as much as I adored my nan. Because I couldn't change schools. Um, 
I went to a grammar school in Dover and they couldn't get me into one in Canterbury. So I traveled um, every day to and from Dover to Canterbury on a bus and a train. And it was over an hour each way travel extra to what I used to do. And this was just exhausting me. We didn't have much money, so we ate more poorly than we did at my aunt and uncle's. And I didn't get to have any social because my friends were in a different town. So evenings and weekends, I had no downtime. And things just got claustrophobic, living in a bedsit with my nan, and I was a preteen at this time. So things came to a head when, after about eight or so months, and I got sent to my dad's. I only lasted there about a month, and then I got sent back to my aunt and uncle's. Now, this is where, thankfully, I stayed for the rest of my childhood. So now, many years on, I know that each adult had their own set of stuff going on and they did what they thought was best at the time. However, the impact of these years on me has been huge. Can you imagine how it felt being that child who had that much transition and upheaval and had ev I had every carer in my life at some point give up on me and send me away? So for the remainder of my childhood at my aunt and uncle's, I, I think quite naturally I, led, I lived with a constant low-level stress due to the fear of not meeting their expectations in case I got kicked out again. That was a language I used at the time, getting kicked out again. And that's how I saw each of those transitions when I was a child. I, there was also things that I thought at the time that stuck with me into adulthood and they might not have been conscious, but they were there. And I've, like, I've worked them back to those points. Things like, I can't trust family to be there for me. Family aren't trustworthy. Um, not believing in unconditional love from family. And things like, um, there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve to be happy. And I even thought I can't have what other people have, like a normal life in adulthood, because I didn't have a normal life in childhood. So when I was 18, I moved in with my boyfriend. And he was my long-term boyfriend. And I really soaked up all that love that he gave me that I felt starved of as a child. But the thing is, I morphed into becoming like a shadow of him. And bit by bit, I disappeared and let all the pieces of me go. At this time, I didn't have much contact with my family. Um, I didn't have any friends of my own. I didn't do any hobbies or anything that was for me. I basically moved into his home. I shared his work. I shared his friends, his life. My life became, over time, empty and bland. And I was just existing and getting on with things, just making the best of things. But I ended up living in a way where outside of work, all I wanted to do was be on the sofa under a blanket watching TV, just numbing myself, trying to escape from life and my own head. I had, in effect, become shrink-wrapped. My life was shrink-wrapped. And I didn't realise at the time just how much anxiety I was living with. I didn't really have that word in my vocabulary at the time. But I was scared of so much. I was scared. It felt like I was scared of just about everything. Um, I would dread social occasions. I didn't have any contact with my family if I could help it because it would leave me feeling hurt. I, or because of what's going on inside of me more than the exchange, to be 
be frank. Um, I would even dread things like going to the supermarket on my own or going into town and running errands for fear of like not being able to park the car or getting stuck in traffic. Like it would take me ages to motivate myself to do anything if I did anything at all. And I lived this way for years. So the moment when it all started to change was when one January, I decided to go to a workshop to improve my work and it wasn't what I expected. The first thing the speaker said was, how you feel is your choice. And this was on the big screen in front of me, big bold letters, how you feel is your choice. I remember feeling quite pissed off at this I have to say I was like no inside of me because I was quite meek and quiet I was like no how I feel is how I feel how I feel is a response to I don't know how much sleep I got if my boyfriend got on my nerves that morning if there was traffic or even if I was going through a phase of my childhood repeating on me like it did in those days so by the end of the workshop, I started to think, hmm, may, maybe there's something in this. And I sat in the car afterwards, and it was an overcast, grey, rainy day. I was looking at the grey interior of the car in a grey car park. And I just sat there, not, not being able to kind of move and get going and get the car going. And I thought about what I'd been told and what I'd learned. And I thought, if how I feel is my choice. That would make how I feel my responsibility. And I realized that I hadn't been taking that responsibility. And I realized in that moment, I just had this like clarity of just how gray and miserable my life had become, how unhappy and how fulfilled, unfulfilled I was. And so I decided then and there in that car park on that day that I was going to find out if how I felt was my choice. And if so, if that was the case, I was going to find out what I needed to do to become happy and then go and do it. I, was going to, I just decided I'm damn well going to do whatever it takes to become happier in my life. So that moment started me on what became a long journey and still is a long journey of self-discovery and personal development. I started with what I learned in that workshop that day and just followed what I was curious about and what intrigued me. And the key thing is what I did was I went deep with my learnings, my personal development learnings, um, rather than wide. And I took on the teachings and applied them daily, um, sometimes for weeks, for months, for years. And this practice over time changed so much for me, especially my perspective. So I started to choose to see the world and my life in a much more positive light. And this felt so much better than it had ever felt before. It was like someone had flicked a switch and the color started to come back. So a few years into this journey, I found coaching and I fell in love with it. I just knew that was what I wanted to do with my life. It meant also that I could share this self-development stuff that I was learning, but not in a big public speaking guru type way, but in a one-to-one -one way, because I was still kind of quite shy at that time. 
So I just started my coaching training when the bottom dropped out of my world again and my boyfriend left. We'd been together 15 years by this time, so from the age of 18. And I lost just about everything that I valued over that period and was in a lot of pain. I was angry, so angry too, because I wanted to continue on that journey of feeling positive. You know, I put so much effort into this self-development stuff. I wanted to feel good when all I felt was like deep, deep pain. Looking back now, I am grateful for that change. It highlighted so many areas within myself where there's room for growth. And this triggered what was a second key turning point for me. Because just to give you the context, I had these thoughts um, whilst I was going through quite a long healing phase from this of, oh, I could just go and get another relationship and then sink into it and then continue as normal. And I realized just how unhealthy this was. So I made a decision to stay single for as long as it took to evolve into a better version of myself on the inside and to become someone who I loved being with. I believed that you attract into your world a match for your energy and how you're being. And I really didn't want to attract a new partner or a new relationship based on that pain and all the the things I noticed within myself through that that needed to evolve and um, be moved forwards. So I made a choice to stay single and to prioritize working on myself. So I went on to complete my coaching diploma and I started my business. And a few years later, I discovered energy work and trained in that too. And over those years of the training and and beyond, I did a tremendous amount of inner self-development work and still following, as I did before, the things that intrigues me and applying them deeply. It was the energy work that actually changed everything. It built upon the self-development I'd already done, but it allowed me to proactively address all the pieces I'd identified within me that were resistant or disempowering, such as the inner self-talk linked to my childhood. And I could actually release them and replace them with something better. So bit by bit, layer by layer, that has transformed my life from the inside out. As a result of this, my life has changed so much. To give you some examples, I overcame that more generalized anxiety and have become way more confident. I overcame fear of flying and I've now traveled around the USA and Europe several times following Pearl Jam, uh, my favorite band on tour um, and had lots of adventure through that. I started public speaking. Who'd have thought it? Little old me who's completely like hated that idea. I then get to go on stage and share what I think is I love and what I think is really important. I also got to reconnect with my mum's family and I now have a loving, supportive family. And after six and a half years of being single, I started a new, much happier and healthier relationship. So I now get to help other people to transform their life and their business through doing the inner work. And the best thing of all through this journey for me is I became my own best friend. And I absolutely love being with me now. So this stuff is always a work in progress. But I feel so much happier, so much more confident and more fulfilled within myself, within my life and my business than I've ever been before. So thank you for listening.
Oh, Hazel, thank you so much for sharing. I think that I think you're extremely brave to share such an honest account of what sounds like to me is was quite a scary childhood. Um, I think we all have vulnerable corners, but being loved and supported plays such a big part of growing up. And it, it, I, I wonder. I mean, you said you at one point you realised that you can't have what other people, or you thought you can't have what other people have. How how old were you, or when was it that you realised that perhaps moving around like you had been wasn't what everyone else was doing? Oh, good question. Um, I remember at different points at primary and secondary school um, having other classmates say to me, so why do you live with your aunt and uncle? Mm. And I I kind of made me pause because I was like, I, I just do. It was a sequence yeah. of events. And I had this little like monologue of, oh, mum left, dad remarried, they sent me there, here I am. And it was just how it was. But it's quite equally a burden for a, a youngster <clears throat> to have, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. But I, I could see some other pupils that was a girl in my school at primary school and her mum had died and right. she lived with her grandmother. So I knew I didn't have that level of um toughness, you know, mm. because I did have people who were trying, um, but it was just not working out in different circumstances. So I kind of I, I was lucky, I guess, in a way to meet her and see that I had I had what I had. Mm. You, I'm interested in your sort of a whole idea of self-preservation, particularly at such a young age. You shared a story with us in, in sort of our pre-show, um, pre-show chat uh, mm. about how you had this little bag packed in your in your wardrobe. Uh, even you, I think you said you were six when you did that. Yeah, I had this little blue bag, this little leather bag. And I had like, I think I had my key toys in there, really, the important things at the time, ready packed just for when I was ready to leave. Um, I knew or got a sense at the time that I wasn't fitting in in my home life and um, I wanted to leave. But I equally knew that I needed food. I so I decided to save my money before I left. And um, I, my plan was I just needed to get a loaf of bread and then I'd be fine. And then I'd go and live in this bush underneath a tree up the road. Um, and so I had it all planned. It never quite happened, but it, I was I was building up to it. <laughs> oh, I, I want to bring you forward a little bit, if, if I may, to the time of your relationship. And thank you for sharing your your relationship and the breakdown of that relationship uh, with such honesty and, and, uh, and openness. And I'm interested in one of the points that you said about the fact that you'd been living with all of these different people, that you'd gone into a relationship and you'd taken all the love that this, that, that this man could give you. And you'd almost become, uh, I, I can't remember what you said now, a, a shadow of him. And you mm -hmm. talk about being shrink-wrapped, uh, almost cocooning yourself against the outside world. And you talk about your fear in, of going out and doing things um, on your own. But you said that he worked away from home quite a lot. H how did you cope when he wasn't there? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. So for the first 13 years of the relationship, he was there, but he had big periods of work, but he was at home. Um, and then his work changed and he got the opportunity to travel abroad for three months or away for three months at a time in the summers. And I, the first time that happened, I, I don't think I did cope. Um, I remember dropping him off at the airport and just feeling bereft. And I was in so much pain. I, I, I think I said to you that I got mm. home and I just laid on the floor and wailed. And it wasn't just that day that I wailed. Like, it was like some massive remorse where I think I'd somehow got quite codependent. I didn't know that word at the time. And um, I think I relied on that, that connection with each other to make me feel whole. Um, so despite a lot of self-development, there was still a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, so I didn't cope to start with, but the second time he went away, um, I was more resilient. I had learned little by little how to be with myself um, as a starting point, at least. And I think that you, you, that was at the point that you started to find coaching and you started to do some of this deep work on, on yourself. I mean, I can, I can see that that's going to put a pressure on any kind of relationship with your, with your partner being away. You know, you're starting to do this work, you're starting to grow in confidence and inevitably you're going to change. How much of that do you think was affecting the relationship dynamic at, at that point? Oh, it's so interesting because in one hand, I think he wanted me to be more self-sufficient and, you know, not have to worry about me. Um, but on the other hand, as a coach, um, I was getting very enthusiastic about my training and I built all these goals up and these ideas of what was going to happen. And I put a lot of stuff on pause waiting for him to come back. And we'd moved house um, from his childhood house to a rented place while he was away the second time. And I had all these things, my lists of things that I was going to delegate um, to him and things I was going to do with him and all these expectations. And I wasn't very, <laughs> I didn't realize this at the time, but with hindsight, I wasn't very empathetic to the impact his work life that summer had had on him and the shock of moving house and coming back to a life that what I didn't know didn't fit him anymore. Um, so I came like this big tidal wave of forcefulness mm -hmm. and he was in a very different place. And I think that must have been a very hard thing to, to face me. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I wonder what, wondered what had hit him. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think so. <laughs> I didn't know that aspect of my personality at the time. It's only been in recent years that since I've been reconnected with my family and they've kind of reflected it back to me a little bit. And I'm like, oh, I'm very bull in a china shop, headstrong. But obviously that part of me had got buried underneath the anxiety. Mm. So as I've come more into myself, these traits that are both positives and negatives have surfaced. <laughs> Well, that's fine. That's a, that's a good balance, isn't it? But yeah. I mean, he must have got he must have um, had some sort of change as well by by traveling and working away. You know, that's that definitely causes you to see things different, view things differently, doesn't it? When you travel a lot and, and you work with people in different countries with different cultures. Um, so yeah. you perhaps both changed and you were just changing in different directions. I, I agree. Um, 
the nature of his work was he was cha- changing town every day for, for I think over three mm. months. And you, you know that you get reprogrammed within, is it 21 or 28 days? Yeah. Um, no wonder he got days, isn't it, lost and caught up in that world. And then when it ended, that would have, I would imagine that make anyone bereft. Um, and it's a lot of readjusting. <laughs> I mm. just had, even though I knew that, I at the time it shocked me just how how hard that was for him and mm. um and then there was the balance of my enthusiasm because I think I'd actually been holding my breath all summer waiting for life to start in some way um with him and I think I'd put myself on pause again without actually realizing it yeah that's a lot of pressure for for anybody to take on on behalf of someone else <laughs> yes definitely definitely mm. yeah I think that um and, and then you you so you kind of went on to um that that part of your life where you where you decided to learn to like yourself yeah I when the breakup happened I I'd had that first time he was away the year before that had kind of been very deeply traumatic and um so when he went away the second time it wasn't as bad but it was shaken up by moving house um the when the breakup happened, I was already partially prepared, but I realized that I was going through some sort of deep trauma through that breakup. It took me three years to not feel some sort of pain every single day. Um, this was just before I'd started the energy work. So that would have cleared it up a lot quicker. Um, (laughs) so I had to, and I was suddenly solo. Um, I've never been a single adult. I'd never really had any of that kind of experience. And I just realized that I didn't like how I was feeling. I didn't like who I was being in some respects. Um, mm. I, I was, I don't believe in being broken, but I was, as I was pretty, pretty much had lots of pieces that were breaking. Um, and I couldn't see clearly a life going forwards where I, I couldn't see who I needed to be clearly at that point. I just knew that she was there somewhere and I was lucky to have coaching and peers and we would do work talking about imagining our futures, our fairy tale futures. And they helped me to see maybe a more confident me in the future, happier, confident me bit by bit. And yeah, I wanted to become her and have that life that she had. Mm-hmm. Well, Isla and I were, were, were sort of saying how grown up it is to, to actually identify that. Um, I think you said you, you became your, your best friend. Mm. and and that you know obviously now you realize that that was so important before you embarked on other relationships and um Isla and I were both (laughs) impressed at at, at how you sort of identified that because I think you know that's the key to a successful relationship isn't it I think I hope so (laughs) I remember (laughs) with my current boyfriend when we got together a couple of years back now I remember saying to him I really don't want to lose myself in the relationship especially Mm. when you meet someone you have a massive spark um it's magical and you're so caught up in each other in that whirlwind of new relationship um and we did kind of get a bit wrapped up in each other for quite a while um but there was always that grounding of um make sure I stay connected to me because I could repeat patterns very easily and get completely swept up into his world and his life. Mm. But actually, I I like time on my own now. I like being with me. And I mean, 
I, this is going to sound really silly, but I'm the funniest person I know for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I make myself laugh. I enjoy my company. Um, and that wasn't the case before. I, I didn't think that highly of myself. And now it's um, not that I think I'm particularly amazing, even though I, I possibly could be. It's that I, I just like me a lot. Lovely. That's, that's, yeah, really good to hear. Can I can I take you on to the workshop um, mm-hmm. that you visited? So that you you said that it kind of wasn't what you thought it was going to be, and there you were confronted with these great big words on the screen. How you feel is your choice, and initially that didn't sit well with you, um, which I can fully understand. I and mean, given that at an early age you were experiencing feelings that really came about from other people making choices for you. So, yeah, I I totally get that. Um, But going from those initial thoughts and then you sort of come full circle, really, by fully embracing that sentence. So what was the process? I know you you said that you realised that in the car that actually, what if it was true? And and my my responsibility is, is... to me and to make sure that I do have a choice what were the key points just or give us some key points Hmm. that that you then discovered I think the key is a couple of key points the key one is that you are responsible for yourself (laughs) you are the only one who's with you your whole life so Hmm. that was something that that I kind of sunk in for me and um as much as you can be partnered with people and um have family and share, ultimately your journey is yours, how you show up is yours. Um, Yeah, your life is yours to make what it is you would love it to be. Um, Mm. With the choice thing, it's so interesting. So how you feel is your choice. Um, It's kind of loaded in some ways, um, but it's a really great starting point for looking at yourself because what I found was it's, it's how you stay feeling that's your choice. Mm. It's the patterns that you feel over and over that are your your choice. So yes, you'll experience something, you'll have an emotional response, positive or negative, and that that kind of tends to happen quite quickly and instantaneously. But it's then what you feel after that, how you stay feeling, how you choose to feel beyond that, because you have the power within you to shift how you think, how you feel, and all the things within you, um, the good, bad, and ugly, you have a power to transform them into something more positive to then benefit you rather than weigh on you. What what did you do, Hazel? What what can you share? Have you you know, I think did you say, I think when I spoke to you before you were telling Mm. me about um your gratitude diary. You started with a gratitude. Um so there were so many things I did um, over time, but one of the things was gratitude. I see gratitude like a superfood of self-development and it's a really quick way for shifting how you feel about things. So I just um, got a notepad and every morning and every evening just wrote a full page, forced myself to write a page, even if I didn't always feel it, um, of what I was grateful for. And that really helped me to start to, again to change that perception. So I was grateful for the furniture in the house so I was grateful for breathing if I couldn't think of anything Mm -hmm. Um, and over time this builds that muscle of 
realizing that you have a perception, you, your perception is a choice and you can choose that glass, glass half empty or glass half full. Um, and I also did things like I did the artist's way, which is like a course in a book. And part of that is you write three sides of longhand every morning. And I did that for over six years where I just every morning got up, had a cup of tea and then just wrote my stream of consciousness. And that was great because I got all my crap out because I was so grumpy in those days. My poor boyfriend at the time, like I was so grumpy when I got up um, <laughs> and I managed to get a lot of that, those negative thoughts out onto the paper, which meant they then could go into my consciousness. So rather than being subconscious automatic behavior, they became a conscious thing, which means then when I went in for my morning couple with him, I, I was much more cheerful, nicer person. You were cleansed. <laughs> yeah, I got it all Cleansed out. for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. Isla, I feel that I jumped in there. I don't know whether you were you were poised to say something. Sorry, did I cut you off? No, not at all. I, I I'm I mean I'm fascinated in the journey of all of this learning um that that you've been going on and it's and then finding the EAM, the energy alignment method. And and I know that when we were speaking before, it's the, the whole point of, you know, what it is that, that you're that you're reading, that there's so many, there's so much information out there. How did you almost navigate your way through the just the, the volume of the the information that is the self-help world? Yeah, there, there is so much in the spiritual, self-help, self-development, all of that stuff. So what I did right from the very beginning was I I kind of just sat with it and kind of fell into what's intriguing me here? What is literally the, the next thing I'm intrigued or curious about? And it might be someone mentioned a book title or a certain type of um, practice. And I would then just allow myself to turn towards it and go and do it, go and read the book, learn the practice. Um, so I wouldn't try and read a million books <laughs> and go really shallow with them. I would mm. go deep with the things that I was interested in um, and I would do them for us regularly. So maybe if it said do it daily, I'd do it daily, but I wouldn't just do it for that week. I'd do it for maybe months, sometimes years, if that felt good and I was still evolving from it. Um, and I would just make it an experiential thing. And then I'd get to a point where that thing stopped feeling relevant. Mm. and it might overlap with other things within the ilk but I then feel into what what am I curious about what am I intrigued by like at the moment I'm intrigued by human design and that's my personal learning project this year um yeah last year or the year before I was completely turned off by the idea um so I just trust that intrigue and curiosity to lead me in the right direction isn't it isn't it funny how you have to be ready for something yeah and I did a post actually just the other day um about how someone was saying to me that oh I've got all these self-development books and I haven't finished reading them and oh I really should get on with reading them and I was like no no read what you're drawn to read the page it falls open on if necessary and then when you're done and let enough be enough because it's trusting you will come across what's right for you and what you need in that moment, you you don't necessarily need the whole book or the whole thing at that point. You mm. might just need a piece of it. Yeah, I, I definitely resonate with that. Definitely. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm thinking that, 
you know, that thing happens, Isla, when we run out of time. And I can't believe it already. <laughs> I mean, we could go on talking about this, I think. Well, I know, I know. I'm, but... I'm, I'm looking at the timer and I think... <laughs> I know, so stop. Anyway, just let's let's pause for thought here and think about some of our takeaways before we do run out of time. Mm. So uh, if I can go first and just say that it's been, a, a, for me, a, a, an incredible story really of bravery I think that you you've been remarkable Hazel not only have you managed to turn your life around I mean I think the phrase success is an inside job um really fits is very apt for you um but you've you have turned your life around and you've also accepted that your mum had her own story and that things happened for a reason but and you've gone on to rebuild a relationship with your mum which I think for some would have been really difficult to do so I think you know that's that's really commendable. I mean, that's that's inspiring, definitely. And I think that you've really been successful in making sense of things. And mm. I totally love that you've become your best friend. I totally love that. <laughs> but um, that that's great. But you know, really, that that's the key, isn't it? To to making sense of what happened and finding that path to go forward. Definitely. And, and you know, it's just mm. so sensible to know yourself before embarking on relationships. You know, that's it's, it's so grown up. Really oh, my is. gosh. I, I never feel grown up. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't intend to grow up. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I know what I you mean. That's right. Mean. <laughs> but actually, I think that it's it's, a you know, I, I listened to a story the other day, which was very sad about a, a family breaking up because, the family for religious reasons didn't like the girlfriend and mm. so the, they parted and I thought that there was going to be a happy ending and there wasn't because neither side could could find it within themselves to forgive and make up and you know the, the parents went on to die without seeing their child you know and I, that's so so sad so that but it, it highlights how difficult it is Hazel to to rebuild a relationship and to move on and to accept the fact that other people have their stories and there's no you you've not you've not put any blame whatsoever and you know there's no right or wrong but you've just accepted and I I think that is really that's remarkable absolutely remarkable Isla what do you think well mine I mean, one one hundred percent, absolutely. And and my takeaway builds on that a little bit because mine's around perspective and patterns. You know, we've talked a lot in this uh, in this conversation about how you see things and how how your perspective can influence how you uh, how you perceive things. But it's on top of that is your patterns of behaviour. Um, and I was particularly interested in our conversation about uh, sort of the, the self-help and the type of help that you went and got for yourself. And, you know, the understanding that positivity, yes, of course, that's that's important. And as is gratitude, you know, the value of that is tremendous. But they can be a band-aid if you don't go and you do that deeper work. You, you know, I think one of the themes of our discussion is is going going deeper. It's almost taking less and implementing more. So it's reading less, like you talked about, you know, just read one page, Re read that part of the book that the book falls open onto that page, because that's what you're supposed to be reading right now. 
But don't just read it and then put it away. Read it, think about it, implement it if it's relevant. Um, and 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 whilst that is is important for you to be working on right now. So I think that's what I've taken away is that reading what's relevant to you, perhaps reading less, but reading deeper and following your curiosity, absolutely following your curiosity. So, and, and that ability to use our perspective and our patterns and our habits to make our life what we want it to be. It's, it's inspiring. So thank you yeah. so much for sharing that with us. You're very welcome. Mm. Can you tell us what you're working on now, Hazel? Yeah, so um, I have my Power Up program, which is a six-month program. Um, but there are actually various ways for people who are interested in connecting and would like to start working with me. The most common one is I do a one-hour intro session for £99. Um, it's an energy alignment strategy session for business owners who want to address something within them that they suspect is holding them and their business back. This is a great way to try the energy stuff firsthand because, you know, people kind of think, well, what is all this stuff? Yeah, um, so it's yeah, also absolutely. a great way to kind of get a little bit of firsthand practical experience of it. Yeah. If we'd had more time, we could have gone into the energy side, but sadly we don't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's great. Sounds sounds um, inviting. What do, how can we get in touch with you? What What are your... So I'm, modes of I'm in, a, in most online places, um, but I have a website, hazeladleycoaching.com, and that's Adley, A-double-D-L-E-Y. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, just put my name in. I have a Facebook page, um, Hazel Adley Coaching, and I'm on Instagram as well. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, sadly, that, that sort of brings us to the end of another podcast. So thank you so much, Hazel. We're really grateful to you for sharing your story. And I, I really hope that it will resonate and, and help others. Um, we have to say thanks, of course, to the wonderful Paul Cheese for all our super jingles and his editing magic, etc. And Isla, do we have anything else to say? Are there any announcements before we leave? Just to reiterate my thanks to you, Hazel, for being such a fabulous guest. And we hope you, the listener, have enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. Lisa and I, we're keeping the stories coming. Um, new episodes of this podcast are released every month at the beginning of the month. So if you have a story to tell and you'd like to come onto our podcast, do get in touch with us. The best way through our is to message us through our social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. Excellent, excellent. So, of course, thanks go to you, the listener, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's story and the discussion afterwards and that you'll join us for the next one. Bye for now. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of The Business Diaries. We would love to hear your feedback. Please find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries.